Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So welcome back to our Unmasked series. And I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Rex uh, last week. And so thank you so much for all the kind words that I've received through this week, uh, just around how wonderful that conversation is. So we're in week three of our Unmasked series, and uh, it's been a series that's really challenged me in my own personal life. And so as I go through the message today, I want you to know that I think I'm speaking to myself more than anything else. I also want to take time to acknowledge that there are so many people in our community at the moment that are ill or affected by COVID. And I want you to know that we are aware of you and we are praying for you right now as a church community. And if you know somebody in your connect group or or somebody in your circles, please send them a note just to let them know that you're praying for them and that you're aware that it's a really difficult time that we're going through. And so to kick us off today, Uh, I want to share a story uh, about my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law back in 2012. So in 2012, early January, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law took their son to the doctor. And this conversation with their doctor wasn't a good news story. In fact, it was a really bad news story. The doctor told my sister-in-law and my son, uh, my brother-in-law, that their son had less than nine months to live. He had a cancer that was debilitating, there was no cure for this cancer, and if they made it to December, they would be lucky as a family. And the doctor said these words to my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. They said, make the most of your time with your son. Create as many memories as you can. And so that is such rocky news to hear that you need to make the most of the time that you have left with your son. It's interesting that the doctor didn't say, work as hard as you possibly can. The doctor didn't say, "Um, make sure that you get that extra meeting in. He said, make the most of the time that you have. And I think in this time that we're going through right now around COVID and knowing that, (coughs) excuse me, many of our friends and family uh, have, we've lost many friends and family during this time. This idea of making the most of our time has become a message that is so important for us. And so when we're talking about Unmasked today, we're talking about the treasure of time and how do we leverage off of that time. And so if we think about this, time makes up every part of our lives. Just think about it for a moment. What part of your day doesn't, isn't uh, consumed with time? As I'm speaking to you right now, the session's been timed and I'm going to be told when I have five minutes left, when I have two minutes left and when I need to cut it. I'm sure you looked at the time and saying when you are going to watch this and you're looking at how much time this time is taking up. If somebody does something wrong in society, we tell them how much time are they doing for that bad thing that they've done. Uh, We talk about waking up on time, going to bed on time. And so every part of our lives is consumed with this treasure uh, time. Cultures are integrated with time. So different cultures see time in different ways and interpret it differently. So you have what we call short-term orientated cultures and the emphasis is on short-term outcomes. And so in short-term orientated cultures, for example, um, you get paid weekly. You have lots of pay-as-you-go processes. Um, You have immediate benefit based on where you're going. And so in short-term cultures, for example, you have very short strategic plans, two, three years, 
those and then you change your strategic plan versus long-term cultured uh, orientated cultures where the emphasis is on planning and success in the future. And so long-term cultures have long-term investments. They, they save for retirements. And for example, in a long-term orientated culture, they have 10, 15, 30-year strategic plans. Just think about China and Japan, that they have these long-term strategic plans around how they engage with the world and then see, see the world. In sub-Saharan Africa, we're more in the middle of the road, whether we're long-term, short-term, we're slightly more in the middle. And then time is also linked to respect. I don't know how many of you heard people say, uh, you respect me by showing up on time. Uh, I need to show up on time and then I'm respecting you. But as I've learned that different cultures, you respect people differently through time. And so in one culture, you show up on time and you leave on time, and that would be showing respect. Yet in another culture, showing up 15, 20 minutes fashionably late would be uh, deemed as acceptable and showing respect. Um, and, and then uh, I love what Desmond Tutu said, in Europe, they tell time, in Africa, we have time. And so everything about who we are and what we are is really dominated by time. And so um, the question is, where did it all start? And so I'm going to start this time and hopefully I'm finished by the time this is done. And so where did time all start? Well, well, time starts in Genesis 1, 3 to 5, where God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. Then he called them the, the, light, the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was an evening, and there was a morning, one day. And that's in Genesis 1, 3 to 5. So if we want to talk about this, if we want to take the creation of the Genesis story, I want to think about it uh, like this, that this piece of string is the start of Genesis. So it's a small piece of string. And if we had to take the timeline of the full of Genesis uh, on a full timeline and put it on a 50-meter piece of string, which is in this cup, that would be Genesis 1, 3, 5, the first day. And this would be the last day. And what's interesting, if you put the whole of Genesis onto a 50-meter piece of string, which is really long. It's probably longer than the auditorium. Um, the sixth day, when God created man and woman in Genesis 1, 4 to 13, is actually only this part of a 50-meter piece of string. And for me, when I first put this on a timeline, when I first inter interacted with this, day one to day six is 4.5 billion years and we as human beings have only been roaming the earth for this amount of time on a 50 meter long piece of string or the universe. And so that was mind blowing for me to think that we have been around for such a short time, but yet we've had such a big impact uh, on the earth. And so if there's a start, there's definitely an end. And where is the end? Well, there are two ends. The first one we read about in Psalms 90 verse 10 our lives are 70 years, and if we're strong, 80 years. And even if the best of them are struggle and sorrow, indeed, they will pass away and we will fly away. And so the first end of time is when me and you cease to exist and when we die and we meet our maker. That's the first end. The second end happens in Revelation 2, verse 5. Night will be no more. People will no need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And so there's definitely coming an end to time and time will not exist 
as we know it. And so when we start thinking about this, I hope that our view of our life compared to eternity will cause you and I to become a little more sober-minded in terms of how we show up and what we do and to understand that this time is really limited in terms of what we have. And that time is a really special gift that if we don't look after it, we'll lose it. Just like uh, the sand is flowing through this hourglass right now, it's really difficult or impossible for me to push this back. We can't get back the time we've lost. And therefore, time is a a treasure. Uh, you can't stop time as much as we think we'd like to stop it. We, we can't go back in time unless you're part of the back to the future and you have one of those cars that can take you back um, into, the, into, into the past. We can't slow time down like they do in Matrix. And I can't tell you how I'm looking forward to the next series of the Matrix, Matrix that come out. So we can't slow time down. Um, and, and that's why Time is such a gift. And so when we think about valuing time is in many ways the beginning or birth of wisdom. And so I want to share four Ps, just like Rex shared in the opening of the series, four, uh, three Ps around planning people and power. I want to share four Ps around how do we begin to value time and how do we begin to use our time more effectively. So the first P I want to share with you this morning or today or this evening, whenever you are watching this is uh, perimeters, setting boundaries. Um, I don't know if you remember when I was small, my parents would send me to the shop and we'd have to walk to the shop. And uh, it was always around the block that we had to go to the shop. Uh, and so I had two choices, uh, two routes to go to the shop to get some bread and milk. One, I could go around the block or I could go two roads up and uh, <coughs> not two roads, two houses up. And when I got to that house, there was a house that didn't have a wall and you could do a double up through this house. So you could go through this person's yard and you wouldn't have to go around the block to get to the shop. And so what we found in our community, the house that didn't have that wall, that didn't have that boundary, we all used as a double up. And in fact, there was a, a walk path through these people's garden um, that allowed us to do that. And so when I think about my life, and I hopefully when you think about your life, if we don't have boundaries, we become like that house that gets used as a double up, that people will take advantage of us because we don't have those boundaries in place. And so when I first started my first job with Youth for Christ, I remember I was called into one of my senior leaders' offices and we had this conversation. And this conversation has never left me. He said this to me, he said, Quentin, do you have a plan for your life? Because if you don't have a plan for your life, somebody else, and they will use you to complete their plans. And when I left that, I said, I need a plan for my life. I need to make sure that I know what I'm doing in my life, and I need to know what are the boundaries in my life. And so Youth for Christ taught me amazing things about setting boundaries in my life. So the one thing we learned about when we were on these dance and drama teams, we work only two-thirds of every day. So it was either in the morning we would do a performance um, and workshops and the afternoon, and then the evening would be off, or we would do the morning and evening and the afternoon would be off or the afternoon and evening we'd be, be, do performances and the morning we'd be off. And so that's a rhythm I've tried to keep for myself. Two thirds of the day I need to work and the other third uh, I need to take uh, some time off and to recuperate. We were also very religious about taking our day off and making sure that we were getting rest and making sure that we were working from our rest rather than working towards rest. And I think Simon, Pastor Sire, shares a lot about this idea of working from rest rather than working towards rest. 
And then Luke 2.52 was drummed into us. And Luke 2.52 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with people. And so when we were with Youth for Christ, we broke that up into four things. When Jesus increased in his wisdom, we were talking about our mental capability and are we feeding our, our mind? Are we learning? Are we ongoing in our learning? And then we spoke about stature, that Jesus increased in his stature. And that talked about our physical bodies. Where are we looking? Are we looking off? After our physical bodies, are we exercising? Are we eating right? Are we sleeping the right amount? And so is my body in a good position and in a good place so that I can be productive in life? And then Jesus grew, uh, God, Jesus, uh, uh, grew, increased in his favor with God, which talked about Jesus' spiritual life. And so there's a focus on my spiritual life. Am I making sure I have the right amount of quiet time? Am I making sure that I'm connected to spiritual family? Am I looking after my spiritual uh, being in terms of who I am? And finally, that Jesus increased in favor with people, which talks about the social aspect of who we are. And so am I building stronger relationships with my family? And as we spoke about this last time with Rex, am I drifting towards family am I, or am I drifting away? And, um, and, and thinking about extended family and friends would be my social component around this. And so these become my boundaries as I think about how I use my time. And I know this sounds really restrictive when we talk about creating boundaries, but what I have found is that when I put boundaries in my schedule, it creates freedom for me. I don't know if you remember when you, you, you were young. Uh, and if you are young, fantastic. I don't know if you play soccer like this, but when I was young, we used to play soccer. And, there, and, and at one time, there were no boundaries. And so you could take the ball and you could dribble it all the way up, down across the road and come back. And we really never really enjoyed uh, soccer games where there were no clear boundaries. And so when we started putting those shoes or stones down, that that became the boundary, our game became dynamic. And so when we set these boundaries in our lives, our games and our lives become dynamic because we know what the rules of engagement are around that. And so if you're thinking about who should we look to in the Bible around boundaries, Jesus set incredible boundaries for the work that he did. Whether it was in Matthew 4, 11, uh, 1 to 11, where he was tempted by Satan to get off of where he was going, Jesus had clear boundaries around how he would approach those temptations. Or whether it was Peter trying to stop Jesus going to the cross and saying to his disciple, get behind me, Satan. I'm focused on on where I'm going, or even in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus probably had some of his own doubts about his mission and what he needed to accomplish. And so throughout the Gospels, Jesus is a great example for us around somebody that was focused and had boundaries around what he wanted to do and what he wanted to achieve. And so the first thing I want to challenge you with this morning, what are your boundaries? When you look at your time, do you have set boundaries on knowing what you can say yes to, what you can say no to? And do you have a referee that will blow the whistle when you start stepping out of those boundaries? And so that would be my first go-to list today is what are your boundaries? And do you have a referee in your life that can hold you within those boundaries? Because within those boundaries, we begin to live life in a dynamic and freedom freedom kind of way. The second P I want to talk about today is priorities. I don't know if anybody's, if you've ever said these words, I just don't have the time, dot, 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 fill it in. So I just don't have the time to play soccer with my kids right now. I just don't have the time to do a date night with my wife right now. I just don't have the time to finish this kind of thing. I don't have the time to read. I don't have the time to exercise. And if we're really honest with ourselves, what we are really saying when we say we don't have time to do that, what we are really saying is 
it's, right, it's not important for me right now. And there's something else that's more important for me right now. So when I say to my son or my daughter, I don't have time to spend with you today, I'm telling them that I have something more important to do. And that's what I'm really communicating with them. And so we need to figure out how do we create those priorities. And again, Jesus is a great example of how he set priorities in his life. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we repeatedly see Jesus taking out time of his schedule uh, to spend time with the Father and where he would dis disconnect from the busyness of ministry and spend time with the Father early in the morning. And for me, that's Jesus demonstrating for me that he had priorities around what was important and what wasn't important uh, for him. So I want to take us through some practical steps that will help us when we think about what are the priorities we need to do and how do we prioritize these different things. And I want to thank Mark Titley that has really helped me understand how to do these priorities. So first, what I'd like you to do is make a list of all the roles that you have in your life. And so this could be an extensive list. It could be, so I'm a Christ follower, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I have a responsibility, a role to myself, friends, extended family, I'm a neighbor, I was a student, Si, you're a student now, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a club member, I play sports. Uh, I, there's a whole bunch, I write all of those down. And once you've got all of those down, what I want you to start doing is to start prioritizing which of those roles are most important for you. I would suggest have your top six. What are your top six roles that you have in your life? For me, my top six are I'm a Christ follower, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm employed by somebody, and that I have a role uh, in terms of myself. And, I, and then I break myself up into those four areas of social, mental, physical, and spiritual. And I have those sort of as my roles in my life. Once you have those roles, the third step is to say, what are the goals you have for each of those roles? So, for example, as a husband, I, one of my goals is to support Tamsin and to create an environment in our relationship where she feels supported. The second one is that I am conscious about cultivating a romantic relationship with Tamsin. So I work hard at that. As a father, I'm saying, what are the, the goals that I have with, towards my children? And so some of those goals are creating memories for my children and making sure that my children have an environment where they feel safe. Um, in my spiritual walk, I have goals that I've set up saying, I need to know that I'm praying for certain people, that I have my devotional time and I have my reading time and I have my time to connect to spiritual family. Um, and I have my work goals, and then I set these out. And then I do this every week. I say, what are my roles? What are my goals? And then I allocate time in my diary based on all of those things. And so I want to share a new tool that I came across uh, in preparing for this. It's called the ABCD tool for success. And so as you're prioritizing your time, I want you to think about some of these things, for example. So the A on your list is must do. These are tasks that 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 you need to do and the consequences are important if you don't follow through on these. And so what are the tasks in your week that are on your A-list, must do? Then you have B, these are should do. These are less important tasks with only mild consequences. And then you have C, which are 
could do. And these are tasks that are optional and are nice to have, but very little consequence. So me playing my Xbox, for example, is a could do. It's nice to have, but there are no huge consequences if I don't play my Xbox this week. And then you have D. These are tasks that need to be delegated and you can delegate to somebody else to do so that you can tackle your A, your A and your B tasks. And then you have E. And these are the things in your life that we need to eliminate. They are low priority. There's no difference whether you do them or not. And what are one or two of the things that we need to eliminate uh, from, from our time and our priorities? So just a recap on that. A is must do. B is should do. C is could do. D is delegate. And E is to eliminate. Uh, or yeah, eliminate. And remember, never do C before you've done A and B. So I shouldn't do C if I haven't done A. So A could be cultivating that romantic relationship with my wife. And if I play Xbox before I do that, I'm not going to actually get to do A. And I hope that's a helpful tool for you. At least it was a tool for me. But if you're sitting there saying, Quentin, I don't know what my priorities should be as a Christian. Not to worry. Jesus gave us a great answer in John 5, 19 around what should our priorities be. And Jesus said, he gave them this answer. He said, I tell you the truth, the son, him, cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does too. And so if you're not sure what your priorities are, you really need to stick time and hang out with Jesus. And when you're hanging out with Jesus, when you're hanging out with the Father, then you know you are doing the right kind of priorities that you need to do. Also, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so what I found is that when I put my spiritual priorities first, it seems like everything else falls in place. My exercise falls in place. My relationship with my children goes well. My relationship with Tamsin seems to be doing much better. My work priorities seem to take a precedence. And so when I do my spiritual duties first, when I, when I focus on, my, my, on, on spending time with the Father and Jesus and engaging with the Holy Spirit, it tends to have a knock-on effect on all my other priorities that I'm having. And so we talk, spoke about setting boundaries. We've spoken about priorities. The next one is performing with urgency and, and diligence. Um, so this idea of performance and fulfilling what we need to really do. Thomas Edison once said, time is the only really capital that any human being has and the only thing we can, uh, can't afford to lose. And so that really just talks about this urgency that time is running out. Our time hasn't stopped since I started this. Although maybe some of you are so caught up with this, sitting on the edge of your chair, you haven't even thought about time while we've been engaging. But time is running out. And I've often heard stories of people laying on their deathbed and talking about how they could have done this or should have done that. And many people, um, I've never heard anybody on their deathbed saying, I wish I could have had just one more work meeting. I wish I could have just had one more Zoom engagement. Most people that are laying on their deathbed and they think about the life that they have lived, they talk about, I wish I had more time with my loved ones. I wish I went for more walks. I wish I was more connected with the people around me. And so I hope this morning, as you're thinking about your priorities in your life, that you have um, this idea, that understanding, that there's urgency involved with the relationships that you have. There's urgency involved with our walk with Christ. There's urgency in the work that we need to do on this earth. Because again, remember, our time is limited. 
Deuteronomy says that if we diligently obey the voice of the Lord, uh, the Lord God will set us on high above all the nations on earth. And so as we are diligent with the time that we have, as we are diligent with the gifts that God has given us, those talents that we have, God will, will set, us, set us up on high. And so if I think about Ezra, Daniel, Joseph, all three individuals that were excellent at what they did. And because they were diligent with the time that they had, they were set in areas of influence. And so my challenge to you this morning is how are you performing? Uh, are you performing with urgency and, and diligence? Or are you uh, performing with this idea of oh, uh, tomorrow is another day? That there's no real urgency to what you're doing. And the fourth P that I want to talk about this morning is procrastination. Um, and uh, this idea, I love the Zulu word that says, se conjalo, which means the time has come. And so we shouldn't procrastinate. We shouldn't put off today what we could do today rather than saying, I, I can do it uh, tomorrow. And so there are three reasons why we tend to procrastinate nowadays. One, feeling fearful that the task ahead of me is too big and I just feel that I don't have the ability to do it. And so uh, I, I'm thinking about June 76 as we, we just celebrated it last week, um, that were those young people feeling fearful? Absolutely. But there was something more important at the time to fulfill. And so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Timothy 2, 1 and 7. And so when you're thinking that you need to do something and you're feeling fearful, remember this, that God has given you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, and not of fear. And so when we're going to procrastinate to overcome that fear, just remember that. The second one is that we feel unready, uh, not ready to do the things that God has called us to do or the projects that we want to do. And we feel that we don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough to do that. And so I want to encourage you. I want you to go and read throughout Scripture. Think about what God had asked people to do and how they felt unready for it. Imagine for a moment if you were Noah and God came to you and said to you, I'm going to make it rain and you need to build an ark. Remember, it hadn't rained before uh, Noah's time. So this rain and this ark building thing would have been completely foreign uh, to Noah. Or when Abraham uh, was a counter, when God said to Abraham, he needed to go to a new country uh, and set up a new home. He, he wasn't ready for any of that stuff. And as we go through the scriptures, you see one person after another really feeling the sense of, I'm not ready for what God is calling me to do. And so sometimes it just requires us, like Peter, to get out of the boat and amazing things begin to happen. In fact, there's a great story that I'm reminded of uh, when I was traveling with Youth for Christ. Uh, uh, this one man said to me, Quinton, why aren't you married yet? And I said, oh, I don't earn enough money to get married yet. And then he said this to me. He said, you'll never have enough money to, to get married. You'll never have enough money uh, to have children. You'll ne there will always be something that will get in your way of doing this. And so I remember when me and Tamsin were married and, and we were pregnant with Jenna, we didn't have the money uh, to have a child. But God was amazing. When we made that commitment and Jenna came along, it was incredible how God stepped in and provision came. I'm not asking you to be unwise, but I'm just saying that sometimes we need to take that first step, step on the water, and God begins to do amazing things. A third reason why we sometimes procrastinate is this feeling that we're doing, too, the, the task is too big. Like we can't do what we've been asked to do. And it's almost like it's the size of an elephant. And you remember that proverb that says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. 
I'm glad to say that I haven't run out of time. Probably this is an hourglass and I have 35 minutes with you. So I want to end with two stories today as we think about how we prioritize time and what's important for us. So the first story is about a young woman in Alex. We do some immersions in Alex. And so we were eating in her restaurant and she shared the story about two young people that walk past her restaurant every morning. Uh, around half past eight, nine o'clock. This is before COVID hit us. And, and every morning, these two children were late for school. And so after a couple of times, she was like really perplexed, like why are these children late for school? And they're primary school going age, so grade one, grade two, uh, grade, grade four, five, the, the two of them. So one day she couldn't help herself. She stopped them and said, why are the two of you late for school every morning? Like what's the story? And then she found out that the response blew her away. The young people said, there's nobody to wake us up at home. And those two children came from a child-headed home. And so there was no mom or father or adult in that home that allowed those children to wake them up to get them to school on time. And so she realized uh, what was a burden to her in the mornings, running around the house, waking her kids up, making sure they have breakfast, making sure they have packed lunches, and that craziness in the morning of getting her kids out of bed to school on time was a gift. It wasn't anything else but a gift. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if you have children in your home and you feel like you're always telling them to, to get up and to watch this clock and get them out of the house, don't be frustrated by that. Understand that that is a gift that you're giving to your children. And so when I think about my life and the way I prioritize things and the boundaries I've set and how I perform, I really encourage people to give me feedback on where I'm doing well and what I could do better at. Because it's not a frustration. You are a gift to me when you begin to call out those things in my life. And then this does feel like a conversation pickup from where me and Rex were talking. Because I, I want to talk about that time that Tamsin went in for this critical operation that she had. And so at the time, uh, she was prepped for surgery. I remember we were wheeled and I walked with her to the pre-operating room where you sit and wait for the doctors to call you in. And at the time, I didn't realize that I wasn't allowed in that space. But now looking back, I realize I wasn't allowed there. But the doctors and the nurses allowed me to sit with my wife for that moment. And we realized this was a major operation. And so in saying goodbye to Tamsin before she went into theater, I realized that this could have been the last conversation I had with her. And so sitting there with her and saying goodbye to her, I could have been saying goodbye to her for the last time. And so when, they, when we finally said goodbye and they wheeled her into the theater and I walked out of that pre-operating room and I walked down the, the hallway, I must say I walked away with no regrets in my relationship with Tamsin. I didn't walk away saying, oh, I, I should have said this. I didn't walk away saying, I could have done that. I walked away feeling that the time that we had been given as a couple was sufficient. Now, I'm truly glad that she did come back and we've been able to create amazing amounts of more memories. But walking away that moment, realized that I had no regrets in my relationship with Tamsin was an incredible opportunity that I had, and I want to continue to build on that. And so I want you to think this morning, as your time is running out with your loved ones and our time on earth, are you walking away with regrets? So imagine for a moment, you were me and needing to say goodbye to a loved one and not sure that that loved one would be with you. Would you walk away with no regrets? Or would you walk away saying, oh gosh, I could have said, I should have said, I needed to, I don't know. 
And so that is my challenge to you this morning as we start to close our time off together. The time we have with one another is a precious gift. I hope that we are using it effectively. And also knowing that there's a relationship between me and you, but there's also a relationship between me and Christ. And am I using that relationship to the full? Or am I really concerned that I'm really running out of time and I'm not sure what I should do? So recap the four Ps from today's session. Perimeters, priorities, performance, and overcoming procrastination. Second, the time is now.